We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. It's Mike and Darius today. And Darius, I'm about to leave on a two-game trip. We know that it's to Minneapolis and to New Orleans. Before doing so, though, you know, you and I wanted to get together to discuss something that we kind of collectively have come upon. Uh, but I I just was sitting there looking through during the game when Anthony Davis is going off, right? I'm looking through wind shares and I'm looking through, you know, PER and um, a little bit less so on the offensive and defensive rating, the net rating, just because of all of the lineups that um, that AD's been carrying that I think have dragged some of that value down. And I was thinking, you know what? Anthony Davis is currently the best American player in the world. And there are some arguments, okay? There, I'm not saying that it's 100% definitive, but I think that there's a very strong case for that. And so win shares, just as one stat, here's here's the ranking. Jokic 1, Shea 2, Embiid 3, Giannis 4, Anthony Davis 5. So that it's just one stat. doesn't encompass everything, um, but it supports this concept. And you have to keep going a couple spots before you get to Halliburton, who's seventh uh, on that list. So I that's that's the thought. I wanted to throw that out there, see what you thought about it, see if you thought there was any significance to it, and get into Anthony Davis and just how terrific he's been this season. So I want to continue to set the stage here a little bit, Mike, just because you're saying you're sitting there watching the game. And so you're talking about the Hornets game that happened on Thursday night. Yes, we recorded, th- thank you for clarifying. Yes, yes. We recorded on Thursday morning talking about lineup changes and what was going on with the team and heading into the Hornets game. and how the Lakers could potentially get right a little bit, right, against the Hornets. And that's exactly what happened. And one of the reasons why it happened was because Anthony Davis was tremendous again. And the Lakers started out scuffling in that game a little bit, Mike. And it was AD, really, that kept them connected in the first part of the game and He was just defending. He was challenging shots at the rim. He was blocking shots on the perimeter. He was just doing everything for the team again. And slowly but surely, the rest of the team started to find their rhythm. And then they exploded with a dominant third quarter where LeBron and Rui really carried the team forward. And then neither LeBron nor AD had to play in the fourth quarter because 
the bench units were just so good. And AD finished that game with 26 points and eight rebounds, um, a few assists, four blocks, a couple of steals, and it was another destruction of a team. And this was coming off of a Christmas Day effort where a lot of the team did not play well, but AD was tremendous again, right? A 40-point night. And if you look at his numbers, Mike, over the course of December, he's at 29.2 points a game, 12 and a half rebounds, three assists, two blocks, a steal. He's shooting 54% from the field, 75% from the line, which is a little bit down from what his regular season numbers are. And he's upped his three-point percentage. He's basically shooting 50% from three during the month, 47.1 on one and a half attempts a game. And this idea of him being closer to the top of these sorts of lists than where he's typically mentioned is an idea that we've been kicking around for a long time like even before the season started we were talking about okay it's the start of the season we're gonna get all of these top 100 lists and we were talking about potentially like where austin reeves might rank in some of these lists in comparison to a bunch of other like third option types of players and where lebron might rank going into his 21st season would he still be comfortably in the top 10 would he dip between like 10 and 15 or would he be like 15 to 25 range which is an area where he's never really been in these lists and then we get to a player like anthony davis and ad is a guy who is usually looked at through like a deficit lens. It's always about the things that he's not doing as much or how he could be doing this other thing better. And I think that bothers us. I think it bothers you and me, maybe more than anyone else on the planet, just because of how good he is. I want to shout out Spectrum Studio host Chris McGee, because this also bothers him this much, because I was in there, I was in the Spectrum (laughs) offices the other day and Geeter was hosting and something came up about AD and he just started to get hot. And I was like, hey, you get on the yeah, group hey, text. Like, the- that's what me and Darius were. These are the vibes that we're having all the time. And it's not about like liking the Lakers, right? There have been Lakers in the past and you I won't name names. You know who these players are that I have felt the opposite way about as in yes. a player that is thought of too kindly. So it's not about that. It's about fairness. That's that's fairness in the world Darius is a is the thing that really boils my blood the most uh, when when there is a lack of it. And sports is an innocent context for that to happen in, right? So there are this is not a problem in the context of if something were going on and you have somebody that's sick in your family like like no or a war zone. But not not properly understanding what somebody does uh in the basketball context really does get me going. Um, And so, yes, bring Geeter into the discussion with us. Totally. We have jackets made. We meet daily here on the Laker Film Room podcast, and we talk out these ideas. This version of AD, Mike, and we'll get into some of the other names more in the second half of the pod, but I just wanted to talk a little bit more about what's going into the argument here. Let Let me start it. Let me start it. We tend to think... First, and this is this is we removing you and I uh, and Geeter and Pete. We tend to think so much more about offense uh, and talk so much more about it. And I think that's where a lot of this starts. And so if you're watching the playoffs last year, then you're you're watching Shaq and Charles be like, why did Anthony Davis not just dominate this game again on the offensive end? 
you know, or, and not, or, sorry, not even saying on the offensive end, just why did he not dominate this game again? And it's, well, he, he is dominating defensively and that's not what, where Shaq and Charles dominated. And so I think that's part of what has led this discussion when everybody's watching these playoff games and thinking, well, wait, I heard that Anthony Davis has taken another step. Where is he? Okay. Well, on that's, that's the first part of it. And then the second part is that on offense, when AD does have the ball, sometimes he's getting trapped and other times he has LeBron James on his team. And that's not the case for the other two dominant big men that are in the NBA with Jokic and Embiid, where if they're double teamed, then you just keep giving them the ball more. <laughs> it's not like they're going to go somewhere else and say, hey, Jamal Murray, you take over for the entire game. Uh, Embiid, this year it would be Maxi, right? Or last year it would have been, it would have been Harden. And by the way, that did happen a little bit in the postseason and Embiid did get criticized for it properly, to, uh, to be fair. So that that to me is where the discussion point starts and then the second piece of it is the the distinction between ad and maybe Giannis, who's the other name to bring into this mold where Giannis does have the kobe bryant type motor right you know maybe not quite kobe but he is at least when you watch him play that motor of him running to the basket and smashing into a wall um is does evoke a certain sense about a player And that's not as much Anthony Davis's game um, based on kind of the fluidity that he has on offense and his his sometimes willingness to give up that ball to go set a screen and not feel like he has to get 30 um, every night when especially when he's giving up what he's giving you defensively. That's where he feels like he has to give it every night. And he does. So there those are a couple of the themes, Darius, that I think we've touched on before. But I wanted to I think those are the that's the main reason. Um, What what would you bring into that? No, I think that your points are well made, particularly around the idea of like how we value offensive production within the NBA. And this is true of all the like top 10 and MVP lists as well, right? And in a sense, I look at it in the same way that you might look at like the NFL and how quarterbacks are the only guys that win MVP, right? And so if Pete was on this podcast, you know, you know what's funny? You know what's funny, real quick about that? I said that to Anthony Davis last night. We were walking out of the locker room because we were discussing offensive and defense, and he always talks about the NFL. And I, I brought it up just like that. It's like the guy that's completely dominating on defense. We're not – he's not even in the discussion. We don't even talk about that player. The NFL is so skewed towards offense now even, right, that it's like you have these wide receivers like Tyree Kill this season, Cooper Cup from the Rams a couple of seasons ago, or this season there's a player like Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers. And if Pete was here, he'd probably be touting McCaffrey's production. Even those guys who put up outlandish numbers, they still get slotted behind quarterbacks within the conversation of the MVP race. And when you look to the NBA, it's almost always the high volume shot creators, the hubs of offense that get elevated towards the MVP, right? And so when Giannis won the MVP, for example, it wasn't because he was being touted as a potential defensive player of the year winner. It That was bonus for his argument. His argument was more along the lines of, well, look at this obscene production. He's getting 30 po- like 30 or 31 points a night and he's getting 13 rebounds and it's the same with Jokic with the with the scoring and the assisting and now you see guys like Shea who get bumped up on a lot of these lists because he is this centerpiece offensive player and the way that we value that in the league, 
means that if you're not at that level, you automatically start to drop in these conversations around who the best player in the league is. And so let's go to break here, Mike, because I think that that contextualizing AD within that idea and now bringing into account his current production and what he's doing this year on offense, I think that's going to be a springboard for this conversation about where we're going, about how he ranks within the league. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So what you just said totally crystallizes this. And I want to add one more NFL piece to this before bringing your point back about the actual list and why we would have him high. You just mentioned wide receivers. What does not get discussed are cornerbacks. And but but if you watch the NFL draft, guess what you're going to see taken? Guess who you're going to see taken right there with the wide receiver and sometimes higher in, in first round picks. You're going to see a sauce Gardner. You're going to see a Patrick Sertan Jr. or a Darius Slay. Shout out to your namesake uh, that you probably want to mention. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey like there. So if you if you really watch the NFL and in that case, I just I pulled up a list. Um, those guys relative to how you're going to hear Justin Jefferson, right? Or the best wide receivers out there. You mentioned Tyree kill before. Um, it's just like the literal fact that wide receivers are the ones catching the ball 
and then, you know, scoring more that that seems to hit us in a different way that hits our consciousness in a different way uh, from those guys that are trying to stop them uh, and are just as important as, again, we learned from the NFL draft in, in free agency and, and how much yes. people are paid um, stuff like that. So and I think that if you if you bring this is where you get to the point of like bringing in NBA GMs and NBA executives. And I do think that they value defense, um, maybe not 50 50 with offense, but certainly close to that. And now this brings me back around. And just for this argument's sake, I'm, I'm just going to stick with wind shares. We can use like NBA's um, real plus minus hasn't come out yet uh, because they don't have enough of the sample size. And that's always one that I look at for some context. But Anthony Davis, who we just discussed, we think is the best defensive player. Some people would make an argument for Rudy Gobert. I think that's a pretty easy one. I would say, okay, you, whoever, whoever the best person that covers Rudy Gobert, you against Darius here, let's hear it. Like, let's go, let's go. Let's hear the defensive debate. And I think you would win. But, you know, even if you want to concede a spot to somebody else, whether it's Gobert or bring a couple other guys in there, nobody's going to say that AD's not in that top few discussion. Uh, the top, the top best defensive players. So then you look down the list of win shares, and and I'm just going to read it again: Jokic, Shea, Embiid, Giannis, AD, Luca, Halliburton, Maxi, Gobert, Sabonis. Uh, then you get down to Kawhi, Derek White, Lillard, and LeBron is 15th. Uh, the only other person in there is Brunson. So those are mostly offensive-based players. Giannis, of course, plays defense. He does have some help with Brooke Lopez. Um, Embiid, I think his defense in the regular season has been better. Um, he's been exposed a little bit on the perimeter in the postseason in the past. We Gobert, that's that's defensive uh, ridden for for sure. Kawhi, you know, not the same that he was a few years ago, but still certainly impactful. Derek White, it's interesting to see him there, isn't it? Ahead of Tatum uh, and ahead yeah. of Jalen Brown, and he's yes. been terrific. Uh, and then so so there are. That's three guys essentially um, on on top of AD, and my argument would be that AD is better than those guys on offense. Um, Kawhi's got the best case uh, for what he's been doing this year on offense, maybe not as consistently, but like AD for being in that top five at worst conversation on defense, and then also doing what he's doing on offense this year, where he's averaging twenty five, he's doing it on fifty five percent from the field. He's scoring inside. He's scoring outside. He's drawing double teams. That to me is is what tips this argument in his favor, Darius. That he's basically he's better at the thing that isn't his best thing than other players are um, at their secondary thing. Yeah, and I think that this is where we start to get into the value of individual shot creation, and we would then start to skew towards the guards right? Or the perimeter players. And so if we're talking about like American players, then the top American players, let's start to run down a little list here, Mike, about guys who we think would be within this conversation, right? And so I think it would start with players like Steph and KD. Steph, KD, Booker. Booker. Um, Shea, well, Shea's Canadian. Yeah. So we'll take him yes. out of the, this, uh, this Tatum. One. Lillard. Yes. Dame, Tatum. So Kawhi would be on this list. And then yeah. I honestly think LeBron would still be in this conversation as yeah, to who the best any, players and, are. And that's important, by the way, because on any given night, LeBron can be the best American player. I, what I'm talking about is consistency. And I'm sure that even AD would want to pay some of that, um, some of that tribute. But yeah, it, it's like that, that class of, and by the way, Jimmy Butler, I always want to mention Jimmy Butler. I get that it's not necessarily night to night. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I know yes. you and please Pete would include as well. Jimmy. 
Paul George yeah. is in that conversation too on any given night. He's probably like a level below. Yeah. So the categories though, and, and I'm, to kick this back to you, you've got sort of the, the former MVPs. For, that's one. So that's LeBron, that's Steph, that's KD. Um, yes. To me, this is about, you know, AD being younger now and being able to give you a level every night of dominance that those guys still reach many nights, but maybe just not not quite as much. So that that to me, that's where AD has ascended. Then you've got kind of the up and coming group. And that's where you mentioned the Tatums, um, the you know Halliburton, even younger than him. And I think he's his case yep. has slipped off a little bit. You know, Maxi's performance this year. So just the kind of not quite ready, but but you see the talent. And so. That's yeah, that that's where I wanted to, to to differentiate what those groups were. Yeah, and I think that the the Halliburton Maxi Fox sort of group of guys, that would be to me a level below and I would throw Kawhi into that LeBron AD Durant area, right? Now, yes. Kawhi yes. is closer to AD in this conversation because he is not like past his prime like the in, it's always the injury stuff with with Kawhi um and he's been better at that, that this that year but he's currently out right now better thing but yeah 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 yes yes um but on any given possession there's still a fear factor with Kawhi that I think is like super important when we're talking about yeah, sure. like the aura that you have like on the court the guys I'm really looking at here are Booker and Tatum because they are the guys who are like in their prime. They're in their primes right now. Tatum probably like in the very beginning of his, but he's had so many like playoff games and he's had so many postseason runs that I think it's established now that he is he has cemented himself as one of the top tennis players like in the league. And Booker, to me, with the run that the Suns made to the finals and the load that he carries for the Suns and just his general production, he's in that conversation as well. Donovan Mitchell is another name that we didn't bring up, but he's he's lurking within this conversation somewhere. He's probably more on the Paul George level or right yeah, a little bit down, below there. Down below that with like a Trey Young, like down, yeah, down, down a little bit. But yeah, the, sure. The, the, the closest name, Chet's up coming up a little bit. Chet's coming up a little bit. But the closest name for me was Tatum. Like that was the one where, like, if you want to make a, you want to make a two-way case yeah. wing, right? Like, I, I get that. I get that. Um, I would tend to lean closely or in a in a tiebreaker towards Anthony Davis. But Tatum, I, I get, I get that argument. Even having this this discussion, I think, is important, just from the standpoint of like reasonable minds can disagree, but. The individual shot creation with Anthony Davis and what we started to see from him in this last month or so, right? Like in the lead up to like the meaningful games of the IST and then in the in-season tournament championship game where he basically destroyed the Pacers within the context of what the Lakers game plan was, which is like attack the paint, attack the paint, attack the paint. AD was at the middle. He was central. To that, LeBron was too, but it was AD who had the forty-point night and was just got their big men in foul trouble and and drew a bunch of other fouls that allowed the Lakers to get into the penalty in the second half. Especially, you look at what he's done recently, and then you look at the course of his career and go back to like the level that he was at in New Orleans, and then you look at his first season with the Lakers, in which he was central in the team winning a championship and was truly a 1A to LeBron 
in the run to that title. LeBron deservedly won finals MVP, but AD was right there with him in terms of how important he was to the Lakers winning that championship. And he's had a couple of like really injury riddled years, which I think has lowered his perception in these sorts of conversations. But this year, Mike, he's at an unreal level. Like, He's leading the league in rebounding. He's at the top of like stocks list for steals and blocks. He's at 25 points a game. He's shooting 55% from the field. He's in the conversation for defensive player of the year. There's just so many boxes that he's checking on a night to night basis that it's obscured some by the Lakers record. But you can't really tell me that there's been an American player who has been better than him on a night-to-night basis. There are certainly, on any given night, there are players who are better, but the consistency that he's played with this year through injury, missed only a couple of games, it's like, what else could you really ask for? So let's go to break again here, and then I want to wrap up our conversation with more about this idea. All right, let me piggyback on that last thought, and this will wrap things up for me for kind of why we're having the discussion about AD in this context in the first place. And you you mentioned the idea of that primary creator, like that primary offensive engine, and you referenced Anthony Davis's time in New Orleans. So just to to harken back on that for a minute, AD the year before the year that he was kind of in the trade discussion, right, where his play they would play him for a half sometimes. And then he would sit. it, it just was a little bit different. Uh, and, and he still averaged like 26 and 12. And, and uh, But the two previous years when he got his highest field goal attempts and they were 20.3 in the 16, 17 season and 19.5 in the 17, 18 season, he averaged 28 points a game on 50 plus percent from the field. So, like he and the assists, you know, weren't there relative to what some of the the guy that's going to have the basketball for the whole time. But as a play finisher and scorer there, that's elite. OK, that's amongst the top couple scores in the league while doing everything defensively. Now, this year, he's getting 17.3 field goal attempts. And this is this is one of those things like where if you do the not just a per 36, but a like if you just approximate, you give him three more field goal attempts, like what would that translate into? And it's like. Yeah, like 30 points, like 28 to 30 points a night. And I think that when the Lakers have leaned more into him, Darius, you can look at his like his last 14 days uh, or something. And that's even including him leaving the game early. Like when you lean into his offense, he does not dip in efficiency. This is part of what I I think is so effective about Anthony Davis in that context, because you you could increase his load. Let's say that Le- if LeBron is, misses a game or LeBron misses a game or two. Give AD the ball more and you're getting efficient offense out of it. And that's the part of this that, that Chris that makes this argument easier to make is that it's not just that he's the best defensive player in the league. It's that his offense is excellent. It's it's gotten better and it could get even more. Uh, it could be even more problematic for defenses if you leaned into it further. To speak to your point, Mike. So in December. AD has only had one game in which he's shot fewer than 20 times. It was in the loss to the Bulls. AD went seven for 15. That was the only game in which he has shot under 50% this month. And so to your point, as the shot attempts have gone up, his efficiency has been actually only better. And so yeah, so I just looked at it last, last two weeks, uh, 29 points per game on 56% from the field 
Uh, and that's not counting the in-season tournament final when he went for 41. No, it's just like the game against the Hornets, right? He's 11 for 19, so basically 58%. He scored 26 points in 26 minutes. In the loss to Boston, he had 40 points in 39 minutes and hit 15 of his 26 shots. In the win against Oklahoma City, he went 11 for 21. He played 42 minutes, 26 points, which is like his low over this stretch, considering the number of minutes he played. He had 31 against Minnesota when when LeBron didn't play. And basically, Minnesota's entire defensive approach would have been to slow Anthony Davis down. He went up against the, um, again, the guy who's being talked about as being favored to win defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. And he basically took Gobert outside and made a bunch of jumpers and then scored inside when the opportunities were available to him. I get it that AD is not really ever going to be looked at in the same mold as like Embiid and Jokic. And part of that is because he plays with LeBron and AD doesn't get the ball as often as like this guy who's bringing the ball up and is running actions himself, right? Even Giannis does this so much more than what AD does. But as the calendar year has progressed and we've gotten deeper into December, the Lakers have leaned in to AD more. They have been playing through him at uh, the top of the key more. They have been posting him up more. They have been more deliberate in the types of actions they've been running to try to get AD the ball. He is passing the ball better. Even if they're not leading to assists, he's getting hockey assists more. He is making defenses pay for the extra defensive attention that they're throwing at him. And this is the player that is that guy that is often like, oh, well, who are the five best players in the world at any given point? This is where AD starts to creep into these conversations for me as well. And the NBA right now is dominated by foreign born players, right? Like the last, how many MVPs have been won by foreign born players going back to Giannis and then the Jokic MVPs and then Embiid won last season and Embiid is looking like the favorite again to win this season. And I'm not saying that AD should be in the MVP conversation quite yet. That said, it's like the step below that is the exact conversation that you wanted to have today, which was like, all right, well, if the league is being dominated right now by foreign born players. And like Luca was in this conversation as, as well. How far do you get before you actually talk about who is the best American player and who would that be? And I think instinctively, most people would probably turn towards Tatum and Booker, but I want to talk about Anthony Davis because he is the dude that is getting you as many points as the team needs on any given night, he is carrying as big as an offensive burden as he's carried since the championship season. And his defense, they're leaning into his defense more and more and more every night. And as games start to slip away from the Lakers, even it's AD is the one who on both sides of the floor is bringing them back, back in. And I don't know if people are really recognizing this, if they're not watching the team every night, but we are watching the team mm -hmm. every night and we've got a platform. So I wanted to talk about it. Well, there we go. So there's uh, that's me and Darius going through why we think AD currently uh, has the title that isn't really a title of the best American player. It'll be one I'm sure we can keep checking back in on. 
Pete will be back next week. I will be going right now to the airport to head to Minnesota uh, and then New Orleans for a very intriguing back-to-back set of games. And we'll be talking about it and breaking it down uh, on either Monday or Tuesday. Are we talking on Monday, Darius? I, I don't New know. Year's That's Day? New Year's Day. So probably not. Yeah. We would probably be back on Tuesday the 2nd. So happy New Year to okay, everyone. And I hope the Lakers bring an end to 2023 with a couple of victories. It would really catapult them, Mike, into that friendly-ish January that you've been like eyeing on the calendar for like six weeks now because I know you've been looking forward yes. to it. No, man, I'm looking forward to some family time in January for sure uh, and home games. All right, uh, so for Darius, I'm Mike. We'll see you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Brian. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.